Well, today we're going to be talking about peace. Uh, peace that we have already, but peace not yet. That's one of the paradoxes of living as a Christian, is that we are promised peace today. But yet so often we don't see that peace because we haven't been brought into God's eternal kingdom, into the kingdom of glory, into uh, that place where we will reign with Christ for all of eternity. So one of the promises of Jesus is that we would have peace, peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. And then some people would say, how can you say peace on earth? How can you say peace on earth when innocent people suffer? When there is so much violence that is committed against innocent people? And these are the difficult questions that Christians are faced with. If we say that God is good and God is powerful, how then can we say that he would allow evil and injustice to happen? So these are the difficult questions that we Christians are faced with. And so we turn in our Bibles today to Matthew, the second chapter. And we're going to read a passage of the, of the uh, nativity narrative, that is the, uh, the account of Jesus' birth, which is rarely a part of any Sunday school Christmas play. And as we read this, you'll begin to understand why this part of the birth narrative is not included in Sunday School Christmas plays because it would probably give most of the kids some trauma that they would never uh, maybe be able to recover from. So we go today to Matthew chapter 2, beginning with the 13th verse. When they had gone, that is the wise men or the magi, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. So we see God's sovereign hand at work through all of this. But look at verse 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, <clears throat> Herod was furious. And here it is. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And those Magi are the wise men. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Achilles was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Here ends the reading. 
of God's word. How can we say that there is peace, that Jesus brings peace to earth when Jesus incites hatred and violence? How can we say there is peace on earth? There's a book written by Pastor Timothy Keller, and Pastor Keller uh, gives the reason for God. He wrote the book for people who are, who are um, skeptical of God, skeptical of the Bible, and skeptical of how there can be a God who would allow suffering, a God that claims to be good, a, cl- a God that claims to be powerful, yet he allows suffering on earth. And in that book, Pastor Keller uh, was talking Uh, with some people. Sorry, hold on one second here. This isn't going well here for me. He was talking with some people and he recorded the responses of these people. And one, one lady says, I just don't believe that the God of Christianity exists. I don't believe the God of Christianity exists, this lady said. She was an undergrad English major. God allows terrible suffering in the world So this lady said he might be all-powerful but not good enough to end evil and suffering, or else he might be all-good but not powerful enough to end evil and suffering. Either way, the all-good, all-powerful God of the Bible couldn't exist. Another person said if God exists, he, she, or it can't be trusted. How can our all-powerful, all-good God allow the suffering that we experience in life or that we see in our world? We do confess that God is all-powerful, and we confess that God is all-good. So why? Why the slaughter of the innocents? Why would God allow for Herod to go into Bethlehem and to slaughter innocent children? If God was good, he would have stopped it. And if he was all-powerful, he could have stopped it. But he didn't. He didn't stop it. And we apply this to our own pain and suffering in life. We look at our own lives and we say, hey, there's been a lot of pain and a lot of difficulty and a lot of hardship in my own life. An answer to this question is not easy. It's not easy to answer these questions. And we certainly shouldn't go to our friend who's experiencing pain and try to remove their grief by offering these answers in an unloving or in an unfeeling way. But I will say that we as Christians do have answers to difficult questions such as this. The first reason of of why we, we live in a world 
with a good God in control and an all-powerful God in control with, with great suffering in our world is number one is because we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. When sin entered our world, pain and suffering entered into our world. Wicked men like Herod have been sitting in places of authority throughout human history. So Herod isn't the only evil, evil person who has sat in authority and created great suffering for people in human history. So our brokenness is a reality because men have free will. Each and every one of us have a free will. We can choose to do that which is good or we can choose to do that which is evil. God does not force his will on anyone. And because he does not force his will on people, I can, you can, men like Herod and men throughout human history can choose to do wrong. When men don't fear God, when the fear of God is not in people, terrible things happen. And we see this in our society today. We have a problem with violence and hatred within our community, within our world. But at the heart of the problem on our streets is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. People are broken. They don't fear God. They don't love God. They haven't been converted by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we live in a broken world in which men are given free will even to make horrific choices. But then I ask the question, are we stuck in this cycle of wicked men being given free reign to hurt innocent people? Are we stuck in this cycle? Or does God have a, a bigger plan? Does he have a bigger purpose in the midst of the suffering that we face in this world? So that is number two. God has a bigger plan. God has a bigger plan. The Bible says that he's working all things together for good. But we can't always see the good that God is doing in the midst of our difficulty and in the midst of our suffering. But just because we can't see it, doesn't mean that God is not up to something. Just because you can't see what God is doing in the grand scheme and in the grand plan of things, doesn't mean that he isn't up to it. Let me give you an example. There are certain things that I believe in, but I can't see it. For example, if, uh, but, but, and here's the thing, it's, the reason is, is because we're looking in the wrong places. So there are many things in this world that are true, but the problem is that I'm looking in the wrong place. For example, if I wanted to see an elephant, it would be very foolish for me to go into my backyard and to look for an elephant in my backyard and then to conclude that there are no elephants. If I want to see an elephant, I need to go to Africa, or to Asia, or to Ballard, to the Woodland Park Zoo. That's where I'll see an elephant. So when we're in the midst of pain and difficulty and suffering, we can't see 
that the good, the good that God is up to because we're looking within the limited scope of our ability to understand the world and God and his plan and his purpose. So just because you can't see what God is up to in the midst of your pain and difficulty doesn't mean that God does not have a bigger plan. So he's up to something. He has a good plan for you and for humanity. And then something else. So number one is, is the reason there's uh, difficulty and suffering in this world is because we live in a broken world, but we can have confidence in the reality that he has a bigger plan, and we see that plan in his word. His word is the place where we see his unfolding plan for humanity. And then that leads us to understand, number three, this present world isn't the final chapter. We're not living in the final chapter today. Imagine reading a novel. And in reading the novel, you come to adore the character, the main character. You really think the, the, the main character is a really great guy and the author has done a good job of creating some sort of rapport between you and the character. If you're into reading novels, you kind of understand how this works. And then you come to a point in the story and you're reading and the character is trapped in a cave and it's beginning to be flooded. He can't get out. The water rises to his feet, then to his ankles, his knees, his waist, his chest. Then it's up to his neck. And then as you read the novel, the water is over his head. His lungs are burning. He's trying to resist the urge to take a breath. He's doing whatever he can frantically to find a way out of the cave but there's no way to find a way out of the cave. And then the book ends. The end. There's no conclusion. The, 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 it doesn't make any sense to end the, the book because it's right at the, the most thrilling plot part of the, the book and, and the plot hasn't been resolved. Then you think, oh, they're probably going to write another book. So you go online and, and you think there, there's going to be another book and, and a, it's a series. This is going to be exciting. But you go online and, and the author's been interviewed and the author says he has no plans of writing another book. That's it. That must be what it's like for people who don't trust in God today living in this world. For them, they have no conclusion to the problem and the difficulty of where we're living today in this world. So this present world is not the final chapter. You see, I can't imagine living without knowledge that God has another chapter for us. If there isn't another chapter for humanity, what's the point? You know, if somebody said, should I read that book about the guy in the, in the cave who, who was, uh, we don't know if he drowned or not. We don't know what happened. Should, should I read it? I say, no, there's no point in reading that book. The author 
doesn't even plan on reading, writing another book to, to bring conclusion to the plot or to the character. That, that's like life without God. What's the point if there isn't another chapter? You know, studying the great philosophers of history, the only ones who are atheists that I really have respect for are the ones who are willing to say that life is pointless and meaningless. Because you really have no meaning or purpose in life if there isn't a God who has a bigger plan and has another chapter written for us already, what's the point of life? But what about today as we're in the midst of difficulty and heartache and suffering? Well, number four is the sufficiency of grace. The sufficiency of grace. And here is sort of the, uh, what is the word I'm looking at? The paradox in suffering is is that suffering has a way of causing us to really come to understand and to know how marvelous and how wonderful God's grace is. You wouldn't think that the difficulties of life would have a way of us seeing something brighter and greater and fuller. But really, the the difficulties of life do that for us because then we see there is this God who is all-loving and all-powerful and he's able to lift us up and to sustain us through the difficulties of life. And, And the way this happens is that suffering has a way of bringing us to our knees in humble admission of our need. We come to believe that we can't make it through life without the grace of Jesus. When we come to the end of ourselves, then we find a strength outside of ourselves. The strength of God's grace given through the power of the Holy Spirit. So there really is a beauty in heartache and suffering and pain. And many people, I've I've experienced this myself, you know, I look back at, at the hard things that I've experienced for me, It's been with mental health, with anxiety, just being in really dark places and coming to understand how God is able to sustain me through the difficulty. I I wouldn't ever go back and change the difficulty that I went through because of how I've seen how God has guided me through that. There was, I want to tell you a story. Most of you may have heard this story. Who here has heard of Johnny Erickson Tata? Many of you here, you already know her story. Beautiful story. She's spoken at Billy Graham Crusades. She has a radio program, and she's appeared on Larry King Live. Johnny Erickson Tata, when she was 17 years old, it was the end of the summer, and she's just about ready to head to college. She went with her friends and she was swimming in the Chesapeake Bay. Not far offshore, there was a swim raft. She swam out there and she dove into the water headfirst, not knowing that it was very shallow there. She hit her head on the bottom and she broke her neck. Today, Johnny Erickson Tata is a quadriplegic. 
and she's been living with quadriplegia, with paralysis, her entire life. For her, life is very difficult and hard. And she really had to begin to reconcile this tragedy, this suffering, with a God who's all-powerful and all-loving. And I want us today, I pray the, the video works, I want us today to, to watch her interview uh, on Larry King Live. Alyssa, let's go ahead and play that next video. Things before you. You did test it? Yeah. All right, it's fine. Share the story. She shared in the interview on Larry King Live about the pain that she experienced in life. She said that, she said that, that there's no way that she, that she thought that she could live as a quadriplegic. And she wanted to die. So while she was hospitalized, she tried to kill herself. But she was unsuccessful. And then she said, Lord, I can't live with quadriplegia, so you're going to have to show me then how to live the days that are coming. And she had friends that would, would come to her and visit her. They would bring her pizza. Uh, they would watch football with her. They were doing what they could to cheer her up, and then they would open the Bible and read the Bible to her. And through reading God's word to her, she was able to gain a completely different perspective in the midst of her suffering. And she came through the word of God to trust in a God who would sustain her and keep her and give her purpose in life. So she found great purpose in Jesus. She paints. She paints beautiful pictures. She can't use her hands, but she paints with a, with a paintbrush in her mouth. Incredible pictures. She's a speaker. She's a singer. And she's had opportunity to reach out to many people who suffer in this life. And today, she said that she would never give up her wheelchair for legs that walk. Because for her, that wheelchair has become for her an opportunity to experience the goodness and the grace and the power of God giving her strength in the midst of her weakness. Amazing testimony and an amazing story. Martin Luther said that there are three things that are needed to grow in faith. If you want to grow in your faith, three things are needed. Martin Luther says that we need prayer. Martin Luther says we need the Word. So we probably have heard that many times. If you want to grow in your faith, become a person of prayer, become a person of the Word. Because there is power in prayer and there is power in the Word of God. But Luther said there's a third thing. It's something that we don't hear very often. And that's trial. Luther says that apart from trial, difficulty, hardship in life, we can't grow in faith. This is true scripturally, but this is something we don't like to hear. 
See, God's up to something bigger. He has a plan. This isn't the final chapter. And as we experience the trials and the difficulties of life, we come to learn that His grace is all sufficient for us in the midst of difficulty. What of those in Bethlehem who suffered under Herod's bloody massacre? No one deserves to have children ripped from their arms and slaughtered. The Christian church historically has considered those massacred by Herod in Bethlehem to be the first martyrs of the Christian church. They are those who gave their life for the sake of Jesus. But then we go to the cross. Jesus was massacred upon the cross. Jesus submitted himself to wicked earthly rulers. He shed his blood to bring his children into his eternal kingdom. Ultimately, the only way we can have strength and faith and hope today in the midst of our suffering is to look to the cross of Jesus Christ, to know that our God understands what it's like to suffer terribly. Our God understands. He gets it. He walked in our shoes. He suffered in our place. When we suffer, He knows what it's all about. So ultimately, the only way we can have faith today, even in the midst of horrific violence, at the hands of evil, is to look to Jesus, who was sacrificed. He sacrificed His life for you, for me, and the whole world, so that we would have everlasting life, so that we would have the promise of an eternal kingdom, the next chapter. No more suffering or heartache or pain. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would help us to, to have peace today in the midst of evil. Lord, we acknowledge that we cannot find this peace in this world. We can't find this peace within ourselves. We can't find this peace in trusting in a better new year. Because, Lord, we have no idea what the new year has in store for us. So we look to you. And we call upon your name in faith, believing that you have a bigger plan. Believing that the final chapter is not yet. But we trust in the power of your grace to sustain us and to give us peace in whatever we're facing today. Lord, we, I know there are many people in here today that are facing difficulty and heartache today or in whatever we might face in the future. Lord, may we have faith and confidence in who you are and what you've accomplished for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children say, Amen. Amen.